electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Julia Borston, and you're listening to CNBC's Tech Check. Our show is live weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Tech Check. I'm Carl Quintanilla with John Ford and Deirdre Bosa. Today, Walmart's warning heard across the street as the company cuts its forecasts on weakening demand. What that means for consumer-focused names like Microsoft and Apple. Plus, is the cloud recession-proof? A check-in on the enterprise side of things ahead of results from Google and Amazon this hour. And then finally, ever traded crypto on Coinbase? Well, according to the SEC, you may have broken the law. That story is coming up later on this hour as well, John. Yeah, we're going to start uh, this feed with consumer weakness, though. Walmart warning that shoppers are spending more but getting less because they're spending it all on food and energy. Higher margin items like apparels and TVs, therefore not moving. Uh, Walmart shares plunging, taking down names like Amazon and Etsy in the process. And more evidence of a consumer slowdown. Logitech reporting a 38% fall in profit, cutting its outlook this morning on slowing demand for webcams and gaming equipment, though keyboards and mice, things like that, actually selling more. And Shopify shares also under pressure, cutting 10% of its workforce. CEO Toby Lutke saying he expected surging e-commerce sales to continue. Quote, it's now clear that bet didn't pay off. Shopify shares down 80% since the high in November. It reports earnings tomorrow. Um, D, it seems like we're starting to see signs of a scenario that I've been concerned about for a while. Consumers racking up debt, uh, spending down their savings to have a good time during the summer because we deserve it, but then tightening the belt when the (laughs) bill comes due, right? Uh, The bank said the consumer is still spending. Walmart backed that up. Same store sales were up, but that's because everything's more expensive, not because people are actually buying more. So now we're trying to figure out, it seems, how profits shake out in all of this and where that leaves e-commerce and tech. Yeah, and that's why maybe it doesn't necessarily feel like a recession at this moment. People are still spending to go out and travel, do all the things they couldn't do during the pandemic. But eventually those bills are going to come home. I guess the key question when we're looking at all the big tech earnings this week, and that will largely determine the direction of the market going forward, is Amazon is a big question mark, right, Carl? I mean, B of A in a note this morning tried to look at Walmart's implications for Amazon. And I guess I have to wonder, has Amazon already taken its medicine? I mean, a nearly $4 billion loss last quarter. It has raised the price of Prime first in the U.S. and now in Europe as well. Will it be in a better position? I heard Jim's comments this morning kind of railing on Walmart management. You got to wonder if Amazon was ahead of this. We're going to see over the next few days. Yeah, B of A today uh, says they do expect some additional uh, gross margin pressure, maybe as consumers at the low end uh, do trade down. And then they talk about uh, the lower cohort of consumers, their online spend down six in Q2 uh, based on B of A's uh, credit card data. So we're going to see whether or not AWS can offset some of that, of course. Mm -hmm. What does Walmart's warning in the meantime mean for tech? Joining us this morning is Bespoke Investment Group's co-founder, Paul Hickey. Paul, really good stuff on Walmart in the last uh, 12 to 18 hours. I guess you did make the point this morning that the 
broader effect on trading today might have been a little bit less than you might have expected last night. Yeah, I mean, I think it was somewhat surprising uh, to see that the uh, the market was you know holding up as good as it has given the uh, warning. You look what happened uh, back in May when we saw the warnings from say Target and how that impacted things, uh, so to speak. And, and I think it's just interesting with Walmart. Uh, you were talking before about the comments of how did that uh, goes into Amazon. It's really interesting if you look at Walmart on a really long term basis. I mean, since the start of 2000, the stock has basically doubled. That's over 22 years, though. So it's averaged about a, a 4% annualized return. Leading up to that uh, period from 1985 to 2000, it averaged a 31% annualized return. What happened in 99 and 2000? That's when you started to see Amazon come into the scene and, uh, and really an online shopping take off. So, um, you know, I, I think what's going on this week and in the short term is one thing, but uh, longer term, uh, you know, a company like Amazon is is really, I think, you know, while they're facing a lot of headwinds right now, longer term, they're positioned uh, pretty well for this. Yeah. I wonder um, what you make, Paul, of this Shopify memo and this this mea culpa that the bet that the share of dollars that travels through e-commerce would be leapt ahead by five to 10 years. In their words, it's now clear that that bet didn't pay off. I guess, could they have approached it differently? Could they have foregone uh, the expansion that was required to keep up with that type, that kind of scenario? Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I think he, he, companies, investors, everybody seems to look at what's going on in the present time and extrapolate it going forward. And uh, two years ago, everything was going online, so all these companies rushed uh, to, you know, expand their online um, their online offerings and their online businesses. And uh, you know what we're seeing with Amazon building warehouses now, you know, subletting out some of those spaces. They're they may have gotten a little bit overexcited here, uh, but but um, you know, that's just all part of the cycle here. And things have really slowed down. I, I don't think there the these. I think a lot of people underestimated the fiscal and monetary drag that we were going to be seeing coming into this year, coming at the same time, and how that's really impacted things. Sure, yeah. you know, we have we point to the employment picture being relatively good in the U.S. economy. But, you know, when you adjust these wages for inflation, uh, uh, workers are actually earning less. And that's why you're seeing companies like Walmart today come out and say that, uh, spending is, is declining except for the necessities. Well, as you said, though, Walmart is holding up relatively well, given the warning. It was down a lot more in the after hours last night. Um, we go back to last week as well. Netflix and Tesla, not great quarters relatively, but the market was expecting something worse. And the Nasdaq is down about one and a half percent. How much of the negative news, especially on a week that we have the Fed meeting, is already baked in here. What do you think the direction is and volatility is going forward, given that we do have the big tech still to report this week? Yeah. So, Deirdre, um, when you you have all you know, you have these four mega cap companies, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon and Apple all reporting this week. Uh, there's such a large portion of the S&P. And when you look back, uh, just historically speaking, when you look back at prior earnings seasons when these companies have reported in the, la- in the same week, uh, there's only been eight other quarters going back to 2015. And what we've seen is that historically, the market has run into turbulence and, and weakness during the, these, uh, when they're all reporting at the same time, the S&P has averaged a decline of over 1%. And on the, 
for the week. And all four of these companies on the day, on their earnings reactions day, so the day after they report earnings, they all report after the bell. The only stock that has averaged a gain during this period is uh, Alphabet. The other three have all averaged declines. Uh, Apple, for instance, is the last seven times they've all reported in the same week, it's been down in reaction to earnings uh, each of those seven times. Uh, seven of, oh, you have to go back to 2015 to find a time when Apple was up uh, in the same week that all four of these companies reported. And there's such a big portion of the, the market uh, that you know, it's, it's very hard to have everything, you know, go right, you know, in, in the market. And when something goes wrong, we tend to focus that on the short term. But this week also with the Fed uh, coming out, uh, the Fed meeting this week, that only just adds to things. We have GDP right. on Thursday. and You weren't even expecting Walmart and that comes out of left field. So uh, this has been, you know, if we can get through this week uh, relatively unscathed, I think that'll be a big win for the Bulls. Um, I wonder, though, Paul, it seems to me we've got all of these pockets of trouble that have emerged over the past few weeks and months, you know, with some fintechs, some of that crypto driven. And the question is, does that turn into a bit of a contagion? Now we see trouble with the low end consumer as respect as expressed by Walmart saying, hey, inflation is really getting to them. That won't show up in the top line numbers, but it's hitting our margins because they're buying necessities and not other things. And then also overbuilt pandemic plays. Right. That's what Shopify is. The problem isn't so much their vision, which it seems to me we'll see what they say on earnings. They seem to still believe in it's just that they overbuilt in the near term, thinking that the momentum from what happened during the pandemic would continue and not fall back. Any one of those things could bubble over and cause a problem. And so if you're a bull at this point, are you essentially betting that they will not? No, so my, my point, John, is, is exactly that. I mean, we have all of these things going on this week. If we can get through this week without, you know, a big decline in the market, uh, I think that's a that, that we would take that as a win here. You're talking about the pressure on the lower end consumer. It's not just Walmart that mentioned it. You had AT&T last week talking about, uh, you know, some some delays in bill payments coming. So the lower end consumer is really um, under pressure here right now. Uh, the economy is clearly slowing. New home sales are down over 40 percent from their peak now. Um, every other time that's happened, we've been in a recession. And here you have the Fed. Uh, we're talking about hiking 75 basis points on Wednesday. So you have a really uh, you know fragile economic environment uh, with a you know the Fed um, you know still you know moving you know full speed ahead with uh, with hikes. And so uh, it's a there, there's a lot of um, you know, a, a lot of different ways things could possibly get off kilter here. So you just want to, um, you know, take this, take a cautious approach into this week. Um, and then if you do see some of the weakness on some of these mega cap stocks like an Amazon or an Alphabet in reaction to their reports, then maybe you can go in there and and and, and pick up some uh, stock on weakness. But, uh, you know, you don't want to be overly aggressive here heading into these reports. Yeah, I think it'll be a bit this week, and uh, this busy week of earnings often doesn't uh, pay to be too aggressive, Paul. Uh, we'll see what the next few days bring. Great to see you, uh, Paul. Right, you too. One part of the market already feeling the slowdown, online advertising after Snap and Twitter's dismal results. Uh, Julia Borston joins us with more on what to expect. Julia. 
Well, Snap and Twitter's disappointing results did prompt a number of analysts to trim their estimates for Google, which is now expected to report its slowest revenue growth in two years, 13%. Of course, it reports after the bell today. Stiefel warning, quote, we expect volatility in results and estimates in the near term, given the degree of current macro uncertainty and recession risk. Guggenheim trimming its outlook for Alphabet's search and YouTube growth, writing, quote, recent digital advertising revenue growth from Snap, Twitter and IAC reflected a more dramatic slowdown in the second quarter than we had anticipated and indicated continued softness into the third quarter. But Google may have an advantage in its scale and in its search business, which is expected by analysts to hold up better than the social and other platforms. But in addition to those macro pressures, there is the question of competition from TikTok. JP Morgan's Doug Anmuth projecting that YouTube ads growth will slow to 8%, writing that it is being impacted by both TikTok engagement and TikTok's growing ad efforts. Now, of course, the other tech giant that reports this afternoon, Microsoft, is looking to become a bigger ad player with its new deal to manage Netflix ad sales. We'll have to see what it says about using that deal to grow its share beyond the roughly 4% of the U.S. digital ad market that it has as of this year. Guys, back to you. Julia, um, just keying off of Walmart, they are, are having to mark down stuff which says that they're clearing out inventory. That suggests to me that they're probably going to need some marketing dollars, some digital ads even perhaps, to do that. Um, I wonder how that might be reflected in the earnings commentary. If investors are trying to listen for, is this just a short-term spike clearing out inventory? And then once that's cleared out, boy, maybe they really aren't looking to, uh, pushing to sell stuff. Or does the overall digital ecosystem for the scale players remain healthy? Well, look, there's so many different pieces of this pie, John. And also remember that the fourth quarter, the calendar fourth quarter, is always the biggest and most important quarter for ad-supported players because that's when all the big retailers spend the most to try to lure in consumers. I think the overall challenge here and the thing we saw with Snap and Twitter is that it's so easy to turn on and off these ad platforms. If you're doing some advertising on Snap, you can turn it on and you can target consumers easily, but you can also just as easily turn that off. The question is whether those Google ads, particularly those search ads, seem so much more effective and valuable and essential right now. The question, and which may make Google a little bit less vulnerable. Julia, thank you. We're going to keep the conversation going. Joining us now, Verge Editor-in-Chief Neela Patel and Jeffrey's analyst Brent Thill. Uh, Neela, let's start with you. I loved this piece in The Verge um, because these two companies we've been talking about, Alphabet and Meta, they're based here in the Bay Area. Uh, they have had this sort of culture over the last few decades that is now changing. We're seeing that happen in real time. And the article essentially talks about how the days of coddling employees are over because of these companies looking at a slowing digital ad market having to get tough. Yeah, and I think what we saw through the pandemic is these companies got really big, Meta in particular, leaned really heavily into remote work. Uh, the employees were happy because the stock price was soaring. These companies seemed unstoppable. Now the stock price is dropping, and a lot of those employees are making less in total comp today than they did when they were hired. Uh, because so much of their comp is tied up to stock. So you see Zuckerberg saying, we potentially overhired. Some of you should go. Like Some of you aren't ready to work here for the changes to come. And trying to manage the big pivot to the metaverse, which is where he wants to go, against his immediate challenges 
of Apple just hitting a button and slicing 10 billion off his revenue and TikTok gaining so much ground that he's saying to his own employees, we're 18 months away from even having a line of sight to competing and overtaking TikTok. That's an enormous set of present challenges, uh, all of which has to pay for the big pivot. And he's saying to employees, get ready. And he's got the Kardashians and Jenner coming after Instagram. Brent, um, when you look at Meta versus Alphabet, Alphabet has been so much more insulated from some of the changes over the last year, especially Apple privacy. It has those first party cookies. But of course, it is not immune to an economic slowdown and ad spend. Where are you looking or what are you looking for from Alphabet tonight? Yeah, I think ultimately every ad name has been weak and everyone expects weakness. We're actually below the street in terms of growth. We're at 11 percent. The street's looking for 13. So we're looking for a street miss uh, from Google. And I think there's headwinds for everyone in the in the tech industry. And you're seeing it in the job hiring or you're seeing it when the CEO Coke says that people aren't buying Coke on shelves. You know, our, our company's advertising in the face of that. We're we're seeing a slowdown, uh, no doubt. So Google is relatively better positioned the stock now uh, is at a 10-year, uh, the 10-year has been 12 times EBITDA. Um, stocks trading at now 10 times EBITDA, so 20% below its 10-year average. So a lot of the negativity uh, that we're talking about is baked into the stock. They face a, a massive comp, a 62% comp, and uh, the comps get a little bit easier, but still a 40-plus percent comp next quarter. So it's just a tough hurdle to pass through. You've seen Shopify layoff. You've seen uh, the Walmart news. You've seen the CEO Coke. I mean, there's a lot of headwinds that we're facing right now. So I think, you know, we're starting to see a little more demand on our desk at Jefferies in terms of long only buy interest. But I'd say it's still not a lot of conviction, even while these stocks are trading at at pretty big discounts. Uh, So I think we got to get through uh, uh, this this uh, negativity. Uh, and, and I think, you know, we're still talking about the fall before investors are really going to have conviction on tech as they look at 23 numbers okay. uh, and not the next couple so, quarters. So, Neela, it, it sounds to me, looks to me like across sh- Facebook and Shopify, th- they're looking to cut maybe weaker employees and the fun stuff near term so they can continue investing in the future. For Meta, Facebook, the future is the metaverse, that kind of stuff. For Shopify, uh, it's the fulfillment network, I, I expect. We'll see what they say about that tomorrow. This is just an environment that a lot of employees aren't used to because to keep operating, they sort of had to coddle employees, right, over the last couple of years. Say, okay, well, we'll give you your bonus. Just stick around. Don't go away because we have all of this demand coming in from uh, people who need to buy online, people who need to advertise to the customers who are buying online, whether you're Meta or you're Shopify. But now they don't need that anymore. Yeah, I think there's that. I think there's also just a ferocious talent market over the last two years is every company went remote and your location, especially for these uh, high skill white collar coding jobs, just became kind of irrelevant. Right. Every company was remote. You could jump if you could you could live anywhere and work for any company. You didn't have to live in the Bay Area and work for three companies. So you saw that talent market just explode. And a lot of these companies uh, invested in, okay, we're going to have more vacation. We're going to have meta days and everyone can just take, take some days off. And you're seeing Zuckerberg saying, no, those are canceled now. I want fewer employees working harder and with less perks because the pivot that he has to make, and uh, you mentioned Instagram, they've got to change Instagram to compete with TikTok without pissing off the Kardashians. 
that's a really hard job. That's a really hard move to make. And you can't do it if Mark Zuckerberg himself can't get everyone to a meeting in the middle of the workday. And you're seeing that come out in almost every company. We've heard that from Sundar Pichai at Google. We've seen that at Apple, right? They're tightening their hiring. They want to get more focused to get through this downturn. And I think the big question is whether the advertising market is going to remain at any level that will sustain them at, at this moment, mm. as opposed to going down even farther. So Brent, for investors, especially as we look at Alphabet, as we look at Microsoft, this translates into what? Expense control so that investors will trust these companies um, to, to continue investing uh, in areas where they say that there's growth, but in the nearer term, they're going to have to show discipline? What? Yeah, I think discipline, John, it goes back to showing the bottom line. All the companies in tech that have bottom lines are, are outperforming. You look at Oracle, you look at uh, a number of these stories that have good cash flow and, and margin support are the ones that are outperforming. The ones that are just growing and, and have no bottom line are, are down the most. And so I think ultimately, there's only one thing you can do in tech when the economic storm hits the top line is try to save the bottom line. And we're going to see that Microsoft has, has also said that they're slowing hiring. Uh, we'll, we'll see their guide for Q1, which we expect to be pretty conservative. So at this point, I think uh, the air brakes are coming on the top line and you're seeing uh, everyone try to air brake the bottom line so that they can get margins up in the short term. Really, No one really knows exactly what the shape of the economic pullback will be into 23. Uh, and so in the interim, uh, you know, there's a massive headwind uh, the engagement from our investors are, is low on tech and there are other in other sectors. And until we see the stability come back, and we see a floor. Investors aren't going to come back to tech. And I expect uh, the next time they'll do a check in is, is probably in the fall, if not early Q1 of 23, where they feel they have conviction that these companies have their uh, revenue and costs under control. Yeah, which is why tonight is going to be so important, getting Alphabet and Microsoft to kick off the big tech earnings. Neela and Brent, thank you very much. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks. Still to come this morning, Coinbase shares falling double digits today. Find out why and what the SEC's got to do with it coming up next. Tech Check's just getting started. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
Check out shares of Coinbase. It is ugly. The stock is tanking this morning, along with the price of Bitcoin, as the SEC reportedly investigates the company. Shares are down nearly 15 percent. The issue at hand, whether the cryptocurrencies that Coinbase lists should have been registered as securities. Kate Rooney joins us to break down the issue here. And Kate, there's a lot to break down. Coinbase, meanwhile, is defiant, just tweeting Laws from the 1930s could not predict crypto. They're referring to the Howey test, which Gensler has used to say that they are indeed securities. Yeah, absolutely. It goes back to this Orange Grove test. People in the crypto industry have really pushed back on that being the way to determine if something's a security, though. Guys, a source just telling me that the SEC is indeed investigating Coinbase. This is in regards to listing cryptocurrencies that the commission says are unregistered securities. Bloomberg did report this news first, but I'm also told that this probe predated that insider trading case last week, which for a little bit of context, that is where this issue got a lot of attention. The DOJ also looked into the case. They didn't mention anything about unregistered securities. The SEC, though, when they came out with their statement, said, by the way, guys, it's insider trading, but there's about nine unregistered securities here. So that's where it really got a lot of attention. People started paying attention to what it could mean for Coinbase, and then the implications are huge for the industry. So by letting Coinbase Go public in the first place, I'm told the SEC sort of tacitly approved the way that they list coins on that platform. This is the biggest U.S. exchange. They list about 150 tokens at this point. The question here is why didn't they come out and do this sooner? If the SEC had issues with the way that they were registering securities in the framework that they have been pretty transparent about. It's about on their website. They have this process that other exchanges have actually adopted and started using. People are wondering in the industry, why is this happening now? So it calls into question What Coinbase has to do going forward, would they have to register as a national securities exchange or some sort of alternative trading system? Right now, Coinbase has a money transmitter license, but it's not a broker dealer. It's not an exchange. Could have regulatory implications. For now, though, guys, there's no injunction or cease and desist order. So Coinbase can really keep doing business as usual. It doesn't mean they've got to stop trading these or uh, facilitating the trading of these cryptocurrencies at this point. But it is another example of this regulation by enforcement that people in the industry have really pushed back on in the lack of any other lawmaking and framework that's come out. And that seems to be getting pushed back even further. I'm told the likely scenario is that there will be some sort of legislation in the spring, but the fall doesn't look like that's the situation at this point. Great report, Kate. Uh, as, As a watcher of this, I'm just thinking... Give me a break, crypto industry, right? How long are they going to go, leave us alone, leave us alone? This is totally different from what we've had in the past. But tell me exactly what to do and exactly what the rules are right now. I mean, frankly, these things, many of them were pitched to the public much like securities. Uh, with, With the idea, you sort of got equity in this thing that we're building. And because this thing that we're building is the future of finance, the value of this coin you buy is going to go up. I mean, they're pitched like securities. So it's weird to me that they're arguing they're absolutely not securities. The pushback, John, has been from, uh, you know, those who say that the industry is is not on the right side here and, and is not following the rules have said that the SEC has been pretty clear that everything other than really Bitcoin and Ether are unregistered securities. So they should be acting within that framework. Some have said They have their clarity. They just don't like the clarity and they want to get around it or they want a new sort of framework. They want an updated framework for digital assets. And they've just been plowing ahead in the meantime and hoping that regulators will catch up here. The longer it takes, it seems like, yeah, they in this context of if everything's a security, they are operating outside of bounds here. 
And, I, you know, the Uber analogy might be too much of a stretch here, but the idea that this exchange, these cryptocurrencies have gotten so popular to the point where maybe regulators will catch up. You could compare it to the Taxi Commission. But you're right. Yeah, they at this point are operating, it seems, in the eyes of the SEC outside of bounds here. Huh. All right. Uh, thank you, Kate Rooney. Coming up, we are checking the forecast for cloud earnings, key risks you should watch out for, just how recession-proof these businesses might be. Stay with us. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on-brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Contessa Brewer. Here's your news update for this hour. General Motors says it's not lowering its earnings expectations for the rest of the year, though it reported disappointing second quarter profits this morning. A parts shortage has prevented the company from finishing and shipping nearly 100,000 partially made vehicles. It hopes to increase production, though, in coming months. Federal regulators have opened a formal investigation into 26 reports of what's being called catastrophic engine failure in 2021 Ford Broncos causes them to lose power at highway speeds. Those failures reportedly have not caused crashes nor injuries. The White House plans to start restocking the nation's strategic petroleum reserves in the fourth quarter of next year. Purchases will be made at a fixed price to reassure producers that investments they make now to increase output will pay off later. And a majority of Wall Street economists, strategists, and money managers who responded to our new CNBC Fed survey say they expect the central bank's efforts to control inflation will result in a recession later this year. The Fed is expected to announce another big rate hike tomorrow. Carl, that seems like uh, glass half empty, not glass half full. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, you're definitely right about people watching the Fed. We got uh, session lows right now. S&P's down a full percent. Dow's down 200 as we continue to watch for what the Fed may say tomorrow. Speaking of which, yields two year back above three and the 10 year back to 275D. Uh, watching some of these yields uh, climb back a little bit here midday. Absolutely. And a consumer slowdown, Carl, is what we have been focused on today. But remember, when Alphabet and Microsoft report tonight, we will be getting two of the three hyperscale cloud providers. Amazon comes on Thursday. Combined growth of 28 percent is expected from the three of them. That's an area of enterprise spend that is thought to have held up better than other areas. But still, that would represent a decent deceleration from last quarter and last year. So key question heading into tonight Is the cloud recession-proof? Can it offset weakness in other parts of their businesses? Or could it be the next shoe to drop? And what might smaller cloud players have told us already? Guys, the Journal had a good piece on this yesterday, noting that Snowflake's comments on lower-than-expected demand from consumer-facing companies and Qualtrics reducing its full-year outlook. So this is going to be a very, very important data point, John, that is out this week. It's going to tell us a lot about the state of enterprise spend. Yeah, my bet. 
No, the cloud is not recession-proof, in part because uh, a big part of the reason why Q4 is so big for the cloud is you need it for demand spikes, which Q4 usually provides. If the consumer is slowing down, if these retailers are thinking, boy, we don't, we're not going to see as much volume from a consumer who's strapped, you know, going in person, buying food, buying gas, uh, not online, but in person, and then they're spending less online, which Shopify seems to be suggesting, well, then maybe people won't be using the cloud, Carl, uh, quite as much uh, as they otherwise would be. And then plus, these things are priced for a certain level of year-over-year growth. They can still be doing quite well, but just not perhaps as well as they were a year or two ago. And that could have an impact on the stock prices. Yeah, uh, we certainly expect Nadella maybe to reiterate his prior comments from, say, late last year that, in fact, uh, cloud migration, John, ends up being disinflationary over time. Uh, but to your point, uh, we did get at least one downgrade today of MicroStrategy out of Jefferies. Uh, they go to under underperform, not so much because of the Bitcoin bet going south, but because the, the likelihood of big uh, cloud migrations in a time of uh, tighter corporate spending uh, definitely gets dinged. Well, Carl, let's take a closer look. Uh, when it comes to the outlook here for the cloud, former VMware COO, former SAP president Sanjay Poonin joins us. Sanjay, always love to get your thoughts on this and particularly how the business model of the cloud plays out in this slowdown environment. Yes, there are people who are more on uh, this kind of operational spending um, rhythm as opposed to capital spending rhythm for this stuff, but there's also kind of this demand flux. Yeah, good morning, John, Deidre, and Carla. Great to be to see you all. Uh, yeah, this is a big week. We have uh, uh, Microsoft and Google, and then Apple and Amazon Thursday in the middle of it is service now. Uh, Microsoft's down quite a bit this year, uh, worse than the S&P, not as bad as the NASDAQ, worse than Apple, but not as bad as Salesforce um, and um, ServiceNow. So we'll be watching this closely. I think, you know, Satya has always said, as you guys earlier pointed out, that software is the best deflationary post, but there's some pretty incredible inflation pressures, rising rates, FX, currency volatility, and they've also done small layoffs. Um, I'll be watching the intelligent cloud, which is the total cloud. Microsoft's much more cloud company today than Windows. And inside that, how Azure continues to grow. Can they continue that 43 to 45% growth rate? Um, I think some of the companies you pointed out earlier are smaller companies in total size. So I'll be watching very closely. Can they continue the growth rate as will Google and AWS? So far in the first two, three quarters, uh, last two, three quarters, there's been no abating of that growth. And I continue to believe that that on-premise spending is shrinking and customers are much more willing to do it. And the other thing to note is that often these are large contracts that are done over multiple years. So if you're going to see a slowdown, you'll see it in the backlog or remaining performance obligations sooner than in revenue growth this quarter. Yes. And um, I guess to some extent for some of these companies in the guide, though not everybody guides the same way. I'm wondering about potential weakness in more personal computing where Microsoft is concerned because of the overall PC industry weakness that that we've seen reflected in part of Logitech's earnings just hours ago. Um, And also in LinkedIn, where if if you don't have people out trying to recruit right? Advertising jobs as much, that's got to hit revenue. What has to go right in intelligent computing in Azure to counterbalance that stuff? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, 10 years ago, we'd be talking with Microsoft, very exposed to those consumer things, especially Windows. But now, like I pointed out, they're much more cloud company. 
So I want to see, you know, how is Azure doing in the Fortune 500, the global 2000 companies? Uh, are there signals in the past with Microsoft would signal even a decent quarter, uh, their stock would would maybe dip based on guidance or rise based on guidance. So how is the guidance looking, especially in Europe? You alluded to ServiceNow, Bill McDermott's comments. I don't know if it was a straight comment, a real comment related to Europe. Um, and the FX, uh, you know, will have certain effect on the international revenue scene. Uh, inside the enterprise businesses, I'll be watching for security. They've signaled in the past that's almost a 15 to $20 billion business. That cybersecurity has been strong and they've got a strong play. They're one of the largest uh, big players in security, unlike the other cloud players. So there's a lot. And, you know, the deal making that Microsoft is doing is pretty remarkable. I um, attended the Microsoft Inspire conference last week virtually. And to my surprise, I saw Larry Ellison and Satya Nadella. That was never going to happen 10 years ago. They did a deal with Oracle. Of course, you guys have reported the Netflix deal. Uh, nobody expected them to show up there in an ad tech platform when Google and Comcast were rumored. So the deal making, we'll have to see how Activision is getting closer to closing. All of that sort of puts together a very broad and deep portfolio for Microsoft. Okay, Sanjay, now the reason we care about these companies as well, or the market does, is not just their cloud businesses, but the effect on the whole tech ecosystem, right? There is the worry of a domino effect here. Maybe Microsoft is okay. Maybe there's a bit of weakness at the other hyperscalers. Um, but they're already cutting costs. If cloud disappoints at all, more cost cuts could come. And that's going to have a knock-on effect, right, for some of these smaller companies that are so reliant. Yeah, Absolutely. Listen, no one's immune. I think John mentioned that earlier to recession forces when you look at 2008 or 2000. And if there's a cloud slowdown, it's going to affect everyone. Um, that would be the ominous sign of slowdown. It's going to affect the smaller players even worse. Uh, I think everyone, you know, I think Microsoft did a small tightening of 1% layoff. Everyone's tightening their hiring. Um, and, you know, when you can't grow the top line as fast as the, your last speaker talked about. So I think the, the, the service now numbers tomorrow, which is sort of in between these two big uh, sets of earnings today and Thursday, will be important to watch. And then next month, you have a number of uh, key folks like Salesforce and Palo Alto and security. We'll be watching how that plays out um, in their sort of quarters. Uh, but I think I agree with you. If there is a tightening, especially in Europe, We'll begin to see that um, in, in these big uh, hyperscalers, and that will certainly have a call-on effect in all the SaaS companies and the smaller cloud companies for sure. Uh, Sanjay, I'm glad you mentioned Europe because a big part of McDermott's comments uh, were, were with regard to Europe and longer lead cycles there. And I just wonder if you think come the fall, if Putin continues to play these mind games over energy security. I noticed there's a bit on the tape this morning of a hedge fund seeing the euro going to 80 cents. I mean, how hard is that going to be to offset with uh, North America? I think that's a significant concern, Carl. I'd be watching very closely how these, these folks talk, especially about the three or four key countries. Uh, some of the smaller cloud, as cloud players uh, that are under 20, 30 billion in revenue, uh, you know, it's UK, France, Germany, the big three countries, and then, of course, Nordics and Southern Europe and so on and so forth. But if there's a slowdown in those three countries, and certainly the effects as headwinds you, you, everyone's going to be exposed to, um, it will certainly see a slowdown in, in Europe for everybody. And that's going to be something I'm watching very closely. I don't know Bill's comments in ServiceNow was just a sort of straight comment or something related. We'll have to see it when he talks about his results tomorrow. But Microsoft, uh, how they allude to the international scene, um, and certainly Google and Amazon is, as it relates to the cloud businesses will be important to watch. All right. You've, uh, you've told us what to pay attention to. We certainly will. Sanjay Poonin, thank you. Thank you, John. 
Speaking of the cloud, our Frank Holland sat down with Amazon's chief security officer, Steve Schmidt, talked about the outlook for cloud cybersecurity in the second half. And he joins us this morning with some highlights. Hey, Frank. Hey there, Carl. With 70% of all business data forecast moved to the cloud by 2025, Amazon's chief security officer, Steve Schmidt, says it's important for companies to not only rethink, but to reinforce their cybersecurity. Globally, Amazon is the top hyperscaler, holding more than a third of the infrastructure as a service market with customers including Verizon, Vanguard, and Disney. There have not been many reports on cyber attacks stemming from the Russia-Ukraine war, but Schmidt says they are happening. And today at Amazon's reinforced cybersecurity conference up in Boston, his keynote is focusing on the emerging trend of zero trust architecture to protect data. So when you're talking to your customers, are you advocating for them to move towards the zero trust architecture? Very much so. The implementation of zero trust and the way of, of reducing individual human access to data helps both in the ransomware situation, but it also helps against those nation state actors as well. Because if you look at a lot of the nation state actors around the world, their favorite way to get access to data is by finding the identity of someone who is authorized to access it already. They do that for two reasons. One, it's much easier than using some super sophisticated tool to break into a network. The second reason is it's much harder to detect. Now, according to Wedbush, only about 10% of companies are now using zero trust on their networks. Wedbush says CrowdStrike, Zscaler, and CyberArk are the top stocks with the first mover advantage and the implementation experience if you want to invest in this trend. Back over to you. Frank Holland, thanks very much. Speaking of cloud security, BTIG taking Zscaler down to neutral this morning, saying they see growth deceleration given the macro backdrop shares, though they are falling today and they are more than 60% off of their highs. We are back in just two. Welcome back. One name bucking the earnings trend this morning, fintech player Fiserv, in the green after beating on the top and bottom lines, and one of the rare names raising guidance for the rest of 2022. Fiserv provides financial technology for small and large businesses and financial institutions, not consumers. So interestingly, the same inflation concerns hitting Walmart and the rest of retail this morning just show up as top-line growth for them. Fiserv results also giving hope for one key client set to report this afternoon, Visa, but, D, it's not just whether people are spending, but what they're spending on yes. that eventually has an impact in this market. Yeah, and, and certainly uh, Visa and MasterCard as well um, benefit from more travel spending. Visa, though, is down less than 2% this year. It's been a major outperformer. So you got to wonder, Carl, in this market, is that price for perfection? Uh, we'll see. Uh, indeed. And it sort of explains why you can have Amex be so bullish on spending because of the travel exposure and yet get a warning like Walmart's uh, like we did mm -hmm. last night. Meantime, guys, uh, Goldman making this rare double downgrade on Paramount today. We'll find out why after the break. Don't go anywhere. As if investors need another thing to think about, the U.S. dollar hit 20-year highs this month, which is going to hit tech companies that do a lot of sales overseas. Our Steve Kovac joins us with a uh, look at the potential impact. Steve? Yeah, John, this is going to be a big theme with all these mega-cap tech companies reporting this week. And foreign exchange is a key concern 
going into Microsoft earnings. The company already revised its guidance a bit lower in June after seeing the dollar strengthen more than it had originally expected. Microsoft will be especially vulnerable in countries and regions like Europe, Canada, and Japan, where those currencies are the weakest against the dollar, and Microsoft does a lot of business there, too. Um, and we could see this filter through many of Microsoft's businesses, from the cloud to Windows licensing. And like I was saying, this is not just about Microsoft. The strengthening dollar has uh, it's expected to hurt Apple earnings as well throughout the end of the year. B of A already cutting Apple's price target this morning to 185 from $200. And by the way, there are two more things I'm going to be watching uh, with the Microsoft earnings this afternoon. First off, Azure cloud growth, which is expected to be relatively flat, about 46%, as it has been the last couple quarters. And that's not to say the cloud business is in trouble. It's still growing just really rapidly. And Microsoft, of course, sees a long runway ahead. And finally, uh, IT spending is a big concern. Satya Nadella sounded very confident about spending outlook last quarter, but we'll be watching for any changes to that sentiment through the end of the year. Carl, send it back to you. All right, Steve, thanks for that. Uh, Steve Kovac. Speaking of Microsoft, we will break down that name as well as Alphabet and Visa here on Tech Check tomorrow and look ahead to meta results after the bell then. Meantime, uh, losses accelerating here. S&P down 50 points. Back in a moment. Big story of the morning. Check out shares of Walmart and Shopify. Walmart down uh, about 8%. Shopify down about 16 And that's got everything to do with inflation, D. And we're going to see how that affects other stocks. But people spending yeah. so much on food and gas, they don't have as much to spend on other things. Yeah, already hitting Amazon down in sympathy. One more thing, though. They say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Do not tell that to the Kardashians. Instagram pushed out an update testing features that makes it more similar to TikTok. Short-form video suggested posts. Two users are pushing back. That would be Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian sharing a petition with their hundreds of millions of followers, along with a message, make Instagram Instagram again. Stop trying to be TikTok. I just want to see cute photos of my friends. Uh, guys, remember the time Snapchat saw almost a billion dollars wiped off its market cap when Jenner criticized the app's redesign. That was way back in 2018. Not hurting Meta much. It's got a lot of other things to worry about, Carl. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're going to see. We'll talk some meta, of course, later on in the week. Meantime, as we said, close to session lows. Uh, let's get to the judge and the half. You've been listening to CNBC's Tech Check. You can always catch us live weekdays at 11 a.m. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.